This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Holly Frazier. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. Lovely to love to be talking to you. <laughs> that sounded very like that sounded very like an official podcast intro. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I didn't prepare yes. what I was gonna say, even though I knew there would be an intro coming. Yeah, you're like, what do I say? Who yeah. am I? Um so Holly, because yes. some people obviously on the internet who are listening to this episode will know who you are. Let's t- let's assume the majority don't. I, yes, <laughs> that's a safe assumption. <laughs> um, tell everyone on the internet who you are and what you do. Yes, so I I do a bunch of different things. I grew up as an actor, so I started acting when I was about ten, um, and every now and then I still act, but I sort of don't pursue it as much as I used to. Um, but I'm also a filmmaker, so I direct, produce sometimes write um and I first AD quite a lot as well and run a production company for corporate videos um yeah it's lots of different things and I I love doing lots of different areas of film because I think if I just did one I would get really bored but yeah (laughs) but I'm currently doing a a master's in directing at afters um so I'm I am honing a bit more on in on directing but yeah I certainly would always want to continue producing always want to continue doing a bit of acting as well very <laughs> check of all trades right there. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Because <laughs> I remember years ago, I don't even know, I think I saw you perform in the Seymour Centre. Oh, really? Um, uh-huh. uh, like this was, oh, I'm talking probably like 2018, 2019. Yes, something like that. Yeah. Maybe if, 2017 even. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. I was working there at the time. Oh, cool. Um, and it was one of those things that, you know, because you were an usher there, you get free stuff mm-hmm. to watch so yeah, you were in one of them and I was like oh who's that like, yeah. <laughs> here's your name like let's yes. just google who this is okay um and back then we were all kind of still in like the end of school so no one really had much of a portfolio yeah we were all just like I hope someone notices me yeah 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 well yeah that play was um that was a great production and amazingly lives on it's this um collaboration I was part of where People from a bunch of different countries around the world came to Sydney and we made a show. So people mm. from Portugal, Italy, Germany, um, French Canada, British Canada. I think that's it. I'm probably missing one country. <laughs> Portugal, did I say that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we made a show. We had 11 days to make it and then yeah. we were going to be going on stage um, after that. And we did and it was actually a really great little piece um about uh it was a refugee story told through the eyes of a child and we really lent on the fact that there were collaborators from all over the world Mm -hmm. so there was people speaking different languages in it and it was like as the child I played a 12 year old child in it I didn't understand them and it was kind of meant to be a metaphor for like when adults speak and the kids don't get it but also different companies had specialties like physical theater or Mm -hmm. um, digital stuff and we incorporated the strengths of each of those into the piece and it was really unique and cool and then that went on to go to Canada in Vancouver it went to the Commonwealth Games um it also went to South Africa (laughs) do you do you feel like there was a bit of surprise as well to kind of like stay with it for so long yeah it's like the theater is different in Europe and I think that that's so like they have such a better um perspective towards it where they really value theater and Mm. they they find um 
they find ways to make it happen, even though theatre often doesn't bring in so much money and it's so hard to make and takes so much time. But they have a lot more grants for it. They have a lot more emphasis on it. There's, mm-hmm. um, and they do so many really interesting things with it. Like there were stories I heard from um, some of the production companies involved where they would put the audience in the middle of two sides of theatre so that the yeah. audience can decide where to look. Or they had a theatre where when you enter the enter the actual theatre space, you have to duck down a little bit to get under the doorway. And then when you step up, your body opens up physically so that you're embracing theatre. Like it's all just these tiny little things where they're so interested in the arts and theatre and um, it's a really interesting perspective on it that I think maybe we're missing a bit of in Australia. But because of that, the lead production company of that play, they're German and they just seem to keep finding a space for it and they're really excited about it, enthusiastic about it. Whereas I think like in Australia, often we make a play and then it's over and that was great and now we're on to the next one. Yeah, we're we're very much rinse once and then never repeat. Exactly. Um. (laughs) Which has its own kind of joys to it. It happened that one time, it will never happen again and that's special. (laughs) But it is like uh, once you invest in in the time to make a piece and in this case have people come all from around the world to make it, like, you you know, it's great to keep redoing it and also it has different relevancy every time it's put on yeah. in the global space as a political piece so yeah it's i think it's it's really exciting that's awesome yeah i mean like that, that's a long time <laughs> to stay, stay established or something but also yeah. like you know because that would probably feel like a full-time job yeah um, <laughs> well yeah that just bops its head up every now and then we do it for like three weeks and then i don't we don't do it again for another couple of years so yeah it's cool like it's it's just a little nice surprise to see everyone again and bring this character back to life forever perpetually a 12 year old yes (laughs) um and (laughs) but i mean like you know that that means that you know acting has never really stopped for you which you know like yeah because that's very different because i mean like you know i remember um sort of just being like oh okay because i remember what was it um the short film you're in which was set during the apocalypse yeah um (laughs) and like if anyone hasn't seen this film um uh i think it's waltzing matilda is called waltzing tilda sorry waltzing tilda yeah um and then like it's just kind of a weird art see very strange film yeah. i love how it was made as well because it was just shot really early in the morning mm. when no one's really well, around sort of yes. but the director of that who also did all the vfx is an absolute wizard and can do anything and so sometimes there were people all around and he's just gotten rid of them so i'd have to i'd do the take we'd leave the camera there and then we just keep rolling and then he'd rotoscope everyone out because he just needed a section of that locked off shot that he could cut like find a, an empty part and then use that and oh then it's all cut together God. it's amazing yeah and um you know it meant things moved a little slower and then he's so clever that he then tried to hide that by adding in camera movement later. So, like, the framing was always a little wider so that it could put that movement in so it doesn't feel like it was a locked-off shot where he's cut people out. He's an absolute wizard, Jonathan Williamson, and we work together a lot, actually. We're trying to pull a feature film together. Um, wow. And, yeah, we've worked together many times since then. Yeah, did that – because that film is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very bizarre film. Yeah. And it kind of popped up on my radar, I think, just – 
by chance. I can, I think I saw it on YouTube as well. Yeah. Like it did really well on YouTube. It did. Yeah. Like was that a surprise to you as well, or was it kind of like, oh, I know this is gonna do well from the get go? No, it was a surprise to me. I guess because I actually don't really work in genre spaces as a filmmaker. Like I'm yeah. very much like a family drama get to the heart of like a relationship kind of person when I direct <laughs> and produce mostly. But this piece, um, it had such a specific niche audience in that genre piece. So people yeah. go, oh, it's a, it's a story about someone who's the last person on earth alive. And they're like, oh, I'm in, you know, like, and so it did really find an amazing audience. It went to so many film festivals around the world yeah. and did amazingly. And yeah, I, I cannot quote the number of views on YouTube because I can't rem- remember, but there are a lot. Um, and it got shared by, like, other people and they seem to get even more views, which the director was like, yeah, I'm good with that as long as yeah. people are seeing it. Um, so, I mean, that's how you make revenue really these yeah. days. How many eyes are glued to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then now you you direct and you produce and like, yeah. was that the funnel vision of where did that change direction change for you from being actor in front of the camera to, you know what? I like the behind the scenes stuff as well. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it came out of like I mean, acting so hard and it's like <laughs> you, it's so hard to get work and you give it everything and you make you know you take a week off of everything else you'd plan to work on an audition that you're really excited to get this role and then you don't get it (laughs) and then um like you it's the pursuance of acting is incredibly hard and I think I just needed something to be putting energy into outside of that at the same time so I was always intending to continue acting but then I decided to go to film school I went to Sydney film school in 2015 and I I loved it. Like I loved being behind the camera. And um yeah, I, I walked in to that course, which was a very general course, very mm-hmm. practical, where you just started making films. And I wasn't quite sure what area of filmmaking I'd be most interested in. I actually thought I'd be I really wanted to be a production designer, but I can't sew, I can't draw at <laughs> all. I can't really do anything artistic. So I I actually found my skill set was really well suited to assistant directing um and producing because I can be very bossy and controlling (laughs) and like have a hustle to like make things happen um and also like directing as well yeah so yeah I think I think directing came from working as an actor a lot of times but wanting to have a role in telling the overall story um, in those pieces and feeling that directing would give me that opportunity and I think I have a superpower of like when I watch a film unlike a lot of filmmakers like I don't actually notice anything the filmmaker's doing unless I like turn the sound off and make sure I aim for it. I think it's a superpower that I just get fully immersed into a story and the yeah. emotions and the performances and it feels like it feels like life to me and I think that that's a strength because that's what is always most important to me as a filmmaker. I'm not really that interested in what tricks we can do even though they can be helpful in delivering a certain kind of feeling but yeah. um yeah, I'm just like I'm really about the emotions and um, delivering a, a journey that people can relate to or can like be immersed in and feel a transformation. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know, blubbing on about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I agree with you about like directing, um, like, and seeing films as well. Like, that's, that's really mm-hmm. interesting because I don't, I agree with you 100%. I don't yeah. think people view films like that. I yeah. think, 
Um, and I had this quote recently where like people think that films are just cool moments that yeah. are, or the scene is in pivotal, but it's not what's kind of happening as an overall what like where everyone's going or and what's yeah. the emotional impact of the story. Um, and that's sometimes down to the performance. Yeah. But um, you know, because if you're any filmmaker, you've watched the worst of the worst and the best of the best. Like yeah. you, you've kind of sh- like scrubbed through everything. Yeah. Um, but. As a director, you also, and as a producer, I'm sure you know, you're dealing with stuff that is the most stress-inducing. Absolutely. <laughs> <and> nightmare-inducing, <laughs> whether it's like, you know, cast or crew or, you know, like finances. Yeah. What's it like... Where for you are the biggest Achilles heels to just be like, okay, I need like five before my brain melts yeah. and dies. It like it is so hard to make a film. You know, <laughs> I'm like I'm sure everyone knows that, but it like just to make anything happen, you need so many things to come together. Yeah, you need like to exclusively go out to at least like if it's going to be a kind of decently sized film, at least twenty crew members who are going to clear that entire week of their lives. You need to find actors who believe in the story. Yeah, and will invest with you and then also find that time and then everything else locations props costumes the gear to like all come together to be in this one place to deliver this one story and then as the director you are the custodian of that story so as things are going wrong as like it starts raining as like (laughs) an actor can't make it because they got COVID you have to like hold so true to all those things that were like so important to you in telling this story and it is so hard and people are like constantly coming up to you with questions like what colour should the curtains be? <laughs> like, where should we be on sticks or should we be handheld? Like, and of course, those are all so important for the story and you have to like always go back to the vision and, and what you what yeah. was the core thing you wanted to tell in the story to make all those decisions. And yeah, I think that's what what I've like I I find <laughs> that's that's the thing that is actually exclusive to me to directing over like producing or Aideen because I think like you do have a little bit of time to think with producing an Aideen with directing like it's just all coming at you 24 7 and like everyone there can kind of you know chill take a second like check their phone you have to like constantly be in what are we getting how is it going to come together yeah. to edit how are we going to make this story and it's, it's, it's challenging <laughs> i i 100 agree with you and i think it's like you know the, my favorite thing with ever directing as well is when you've got actors who have predominantly worked in theater yeah and it's, you're trying to teach them about film editing and yeah. technique mm-hmm. um and i used to have this conversation all the time with them where they go okay well I need you to pause before you, the next person says their line. Not because of any particular reason that it won't look good. Yeah. I just need to tighten those crossovers and so yeah. I have clear line of audio. Yeah. But they still do the interrupt every yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it's such a different ball game, yeah. film to theatre. Um, and, yeah, you will get actors who are a little more heightened, a little more like um, indicate how they're feeling a bit more yeah. than, um, in on screen if you're in a close-up all they need to do is think about what they're thinking and the audience will see it. And yeah. That's like that can be a real challenge because you can't say to an actor just just think about it, just do less, like just yeah. you know, lower the stakes. You can't do any of that. You have to change their intention, their objective to yeah. become subtler. Like you can't let them see that you feel this way. And that's like I find I find that really fun to like find those ways of getting to the right performance, but it's really challenging. Yeah. And I think it's a strength of mine coming from an acting background, I hope. Um but yeah, I mean also the other thing though with that don't <laughs> cut each other off is like yeah. you have to know 
well, maybe I'm going to play this in the two shot where I do want them to be upping the pace because I'm editing a film at the moment and I do want to stick on some of these two shots and they're not as fast as I would like to be. And then it's the hard decision, okay, do we cut in for the singles so we can speed it up or do we stay in this lovely two shot where you can see how they both feel about what the other one's saying. So on that day you have to know how do I think I'm going to cut this? And, of course, things might change, but you need to, like, know the answers to that in that moment. Yeah. Predict the future. I, th- I think, like, um, we last ever shoot I did, we had, like, four, we had four, five glasses mm. that we bought from Vinnie's. Like, mm. these were all, like, little goblet glasses. Yeah. And my friend um, who was doing one of the performances, he was like, oh, okay, so I've got to slam, like, my glass down on the table. Mm. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do it gently because it is real glass. So it is gently as he could and it still shattered. (gasps) And he just went, oh, shit. (laughs) And I was like, oh, no, we've lost a glass. And so we had to hurry and clean it up. And this was the day before filming, so we were kind of setting up the space. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to improvise. We're going to use the (laughs) bottle for one of the characters who isn't welcome in the scene, and that will kind of get around the fact that there's only four glasses and there's five characters and one of them isn't welcome. So, cool, this will be kind of how we'll navigate around that mistake. Yeah. But it was very kind of like – I remember sitting there going, okay, i got a quick think. Go, 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 go. Exactly. What, what, what do you do? What On do you do? Spot. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like one of those things is also like I said to anyone, is like, you know, people are late. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a set where, you know, you, you as a director are always there the earliest before anyone yeah, else. Always. You are stressing about <laughs> yeah. everything. But then, like, you know, people are like, oh, I got stuck in traffic or, yeah. you know, something's happened. And uh, I think the latest anyone I've ever had on set is being like an hour. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that whole hour, oh, you're it's massive. <laughs> just kind of like, oh, God, everything is crucial now. And then yeah. everything gets pushed back. And yeah. then you end up like, if, especially if you have locations that are time sensitive. Yeah. Like, you have to be out of there. At certain hours yeah absolutely um, like how do you <laughs> do you cope best as a like with those stressful situations as a director or as a producer um <laughs> or I neither the best training for me has been as a first ad um, <laughs> because you know you get curveballs and that's the thing that like you know good first ad's think ahead of time okay what is plan b because something always happens on a shoot like whether yeah. it's someone being late or something not being ready in time or whether the light is not going to be good for a few hours or whatever it is um, or that prop has been, it's got shattered and we need to go buy another one. Um, (laughs) It's like, yeah, I think as a first AD I'm always like, okay, what will I do if that happens? Okay, we can cover this scene in three shots. It's not ideal but we will get the story or is it a matter of we push something else? Do we cut an entire another scene, but it will allow us more time here? So I'm used to those decisions as an AD. <laughs> when I'm a director, though, I'm like, oh, can't we still have it all? Can't we still have all the shots? They're all so important. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and I think like it is good to make that difference. Like I think you can't be a director who's like a first AD, like, oh, we'll just don't worry. Like, yep, yeah, we'll just cut this and we don't really need it. I think you've no. got to fight for it, right? Yeah. What's really important and – you, but still, you have to make compromises. So it's yeah. like, okay, the AD is telling me we don't have time for both. What is the most important? Can I cut entire another scene or half of yeah. it out? 
to get this, what is more important? Yeah, I find also, I don't know if it's my background in editing, yeah. but I find that helps massively with yeah, directing as well. Absolutely. Because I've had on set, like, you know, and, and whether I had a first ID or a, um, no first ID, depending on the size of the set, yeah. I've definitely had people go, oh, you don't need that shit. I'm like, I do, because yeah. if I don't have that, it's going to look like yes. a shit car. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, you kind of prioritize things, I think, that you know will flow well. Yeah. And, um, and I just think because I've watched, I've watched films and I've edited films that have not been covered well. Yeah. And you can, and not necessarily the story's bad. I always think that yeah. like much of the films I've edited, they have a good heart, but they're like, you know, whether they've been a student production or like, um, you know, years later where they have been well covered. Yeah. But there's always like, as a director, you do miss coverage. Like it's, it's weird, but you, they, you can never get it all. And it's this weird juggle in your head to what's a priority, as you say. Yeah, like, exactly. what is the most crucial shot? Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and sometimes people don't agree with you on set and you're saying, like, no, I, I need this, like, three shots for this one beat. <laughs> and they're like, why? Like, can't we make sure we get more of other things? And it's like, no, I know it's going to be important. And then, like, you know, if it is the story you want to tell, it is the most yeah. important. Um you know, <laughs> that's when you get into auteur filmmaking. It's like, no one gets my vision. No, yeah. shut up, everyone. I'm the do custodian. You, do you, have you ever got like that? No. <laughs> I think I'm actually like, I'm a bit, I've, I hope to be a very grateful director. I'm like, thank you guys so much. Yes, I'm really appreciative, like the whole time through. And um, if people give me opinions, I like, I love, I love when people give me suggestions on set yeah. as long as you know it's appropriate and we're not like hours behind and, and then it's throwing not. me off like, but <laughs> yeah I mean there's a time and a place but if someone goes oh like do you think maybe we should get the other direction because this might cut better I'm like okay great yeah I think yeah. you're right um like I find that helpful yeah don't worry our mutual friends will say <laughs> nice things about you oh, <laughs> okay good <laughs> yeah they all they all think you're amazing but it's oh. like <laughs> But I mean, like it's it's it is one of those things that it's I I do agree with you because it's like you know how helpful is information sort mm. of like so late yeah. as well <laughs> into what you're doing yeah and it's constant on set though yeah like, I know it's like couldn't we do this and then sometimes you made a decision weeks ago about that and you're like no I don't want this and then it's coming back again and you're like I have to my, remember why I decided not to <laughs> my favorite my favorite is like when people have missed emails mm. um or they've missed details in emails <laughs> yeah. and they, and suddenly they go oh was that disgusting you're like yeah yeah like three weeks ago yeah. like it happens in all the time <laughs> yeah yeah so funny message a message to any filmmakers listening is that it takes me like a day to put together a, a call sheet with all the details in it and then people don't read it <laughs> and then they come and they're like, oh, so what scenes are we doing? I'm like, it was in the call sheet. I mean, I will tell you, but I spent so long on that and it seems like no one read it. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think people like emails. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like, um, and, and I know it's the bane of my existence as well because I, I have constantly, the people I work with, um, some of them love it. Mm. Some of them think it's the bee's knees. But I yeah. think you have to really love kind of organisational and how yeah. organisation <laughs> works because some people just go, oh, I don't know why you kind of like do Google things. And I'm like, yeah. it's the it's the quickest way yeah. to look at a calendar and be like, oh, it's all synced. Because like I have friends who go, oh, yeah, no, I got your event because it's in my calendar now. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Great. And some people never do. And then they 
they like they'll go. What date are we doing something? Yeah, just read He's my like, emails. Go back to the message. It's <laughs> like this is and this is why uh, like my little rant. But it's why I end up sending like twenty of the same email yeah, yeah. because no one reads them. Yeah, and and no. then but I think the thing also is the downside of being a filmmaker and when you do a lot of emailing, yeah. which is, you know is producing and and Absolutely. directing and everything. It's constant. It's <laughs> never stopping. But people I think don't like reading your emails anymore because they yeah. kind of like just tell me then, which yeah. is the worst. Yeah. No, I like to email. I'm not really as much of a phone call person because then I'm like, you can go back to the info. Like, it's here. <laughs> I also like writing emails because I can formulate exactly what I want to say. Yeah. But I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, have a shortfall of writing emails that are too long and then it's <laughs> hard for people to get the detail. Like, my partner is quite good at just like the bare bones and then people can find it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it it does sound like you just like to write. Yeah, I, is it a thought I bubble? Like emails. Okay. <laughs> it's like a journal. <laughs> um, but no, I I really like. I actually like. I'm a fan of organizing stuff. And like, it's funny when I produce something or AD something, I'm like, that was well organized. Like, yeah. that, I'm proud of myself. You know, <laughs> don't care. No one will ever know in the end game. But no. I'm proud. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've managed to make this work. Cha ching. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's it's kind of also like it. Organizing a call sheet and knowing when everyone needs to be there mm. and and dependent on time of yeah. day, like yeah. and everything. Like if you're light dependent, if you're shooting outside and it's entirely light yeah. dependent, weather permitting is yeah. the worst stress in the world. Yes, exactly. And actually doing all that prep work means you're ready for that day. So yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, can the producer make the call sheet? I don't want to have to make it. But when I do do all that work of exactly mm. what time everyone's going to arrive, exactly what time we stop one scene and go to the next and what we need there for each of those scenes. It's all in my head and I'm ready to go and I do my job a lot better. Yeah. But, you know. (laughs) But they take so long and no one reads them. (laughs) This is the downside of being a first AD. Yes. (laughs) It's yeah. it's interesting as well because I feel like um you know I don't know if this happened to you at like uni as well because I went to I went to TAFE mm-hmm. so I went to North Sydney TAFE and yeah. Randwick TAFE and they're really good courses like where they were yeah. great they taught you the basics about broadcast yeah, as great. well as film mm-hmm. but one of the things they didn't really clarify on was the nitty gritty of a first AD and what <laughs> that role really requires yeah because you end up like. A first AD is basically a set runner. Mm. It's it's basically like you're a big set runner because the director's yeah. too busy doing other things and yeah. the producer's kind of in and out during the day. It's probably not as there. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of the best of both worlds in one head. Yes. Yeah. In theory, they're um, the producer's representative on set. Yeah. Um, also, um, yeah, I mean, if you know the- the theatre world, they're essentially the stage manager. Yeah. They run everything. They're the bossy boots. They keep everyone on time. Um, and in theory, I mean, they call action, which most people think the director calls action, but generally the first AD calls it. Which is um, weird, I think. <laughs> I think it's such a weird terminology to why that's happened. Yeah. I think it's because, like, it's little things. Like, directors get really excited and they don't wait for the DP to <laughs> say camera set and then they just go action and no one's ready um so it's i think it is good so that the director can just focus on looking at the faces rather than be waiting to hear camera set and knowing that the boom is out of the frame and everything so i don't mind it but um yeah i i think i i like i've always loved first 18 and it feels like the part of producing that you get to do on set 
which is for me the most enjoyable part of producing anyway because yeah. like I don't really like sitting in production office going through contracts and insurances it's just not really for me um, <laughs> but I'll do it if I must uh, but then yeah on set like you do have to solve all these problems and you have to do them immediately and yeah. you feel like such a sense of satisfaction when you planned in a certain way where you got someone to work ahead on something else where the director got to get that extra shot where they just loved the performance and they loved everything happening. Yeah. And, yeah, no one else. You never get, there's no Oscar for best first AD, but you get that sense of satisfaction at the end of the day that you did help creatively make that film better. Can I just say, if there was an Oscar for first AD, really? like, I wish. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really wish that was a thing. Yeah. I guess that it's so good. It's really hard to judge because, like, you don't get to necessarily see it in the work. And it's no. like, did you have enough time? Did someone have to hustle? So you can't really judge it retrospectively. But if all the crews around the, <laughs> each industry said, who is the best? I think yeah, I th- they deserve an award. <laughs> I think it's like um, one of one of my teachers, actually, um, directing teachers, actually said he got sick and so the first AD yeah. had to run the set yeah. like, entirely and direct the scene yeah. because like the director was actually just outside vomiting oh, no. <laughs> and couldn't actually do anything. So yeah. it was like, here's all my information, yeah. like go wild. Yes. Um, yeah, I've had to. I mean, if you have a, a shoot where the director is an actor, like in it, which is quite common yeah um you start to go oh i think you might want to do another one for performance and you you have to know what the director wants you have to know their vision really well so it's like i know that you think this audience this uh, character needs to feel vulnerable in this moment or that the audience has to feel sorry for them so you act as their eyes i've also done ones these days where um your first AD and the director's overseas or like in another state. And so you are just, you're holding an iPad with this director walking around. But also obviously you have to communicate a lot of stuff yourself. Yeah. I remember that. that You know their vision. COVID COVID did that quite a bit. It was like Zoom calls. So weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't don't quite understand because I've I've not had to work from home. In the entirety of COVID, my full-time job has always been in the office. Yeah. So I've had no choice. Yeah. And so anyone who goes, oh, you had to, zoom at home I'm like how yeah. why but apparently that was so huge like yeah. everyone was filming mm. like like their computers at home and then just going oh yeah I like that shot and they get a quad split of like all the shots like you know through camera and I was like that's insane yes like yeah. how is that a thing it's nuts I don't think I could direct that way like maybe <laughs> if I absolutely had to but like just sitting there not able to actually jump mm. in and physically do things, it would drive me so crazy. <laughs> What's it, well, you, as a director though, and I, and I do ask this question because everyone has their own methods mm. about what's, you know, good directing, what's yeah. bad directing. Yeah. But um, are you one of those ones who like – are you one to sort of play out the motions with or kind of tell people where their blocking is? Because like I know sometimes it's – you know, depending how quick it is, but some actors don't like repeating what the director, you know, if they go, oh, I need you to hear, hit, hear, 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 mm. um, they kind of go and Footloose Fancy Free do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a compromise sometimes. Like you find what's best in the middle. My instinct is always to go by the instincts of the actor. Um, yeah. So, because they know that character really well and that's, if they're doing something that they don't believe in, you're going to be able to tell. So, I think it, and they come up with these amazing ideas you would have never thought of. So I do love the opportunity to let an actor come in and have the space to themselves, even to like sit there for a while while we're doing something else and find things. Um, I think that's always best. But I always have in my head what I 
intend for the blocking to be because you need to make decisions based on that that yeah. are going to be too late on the day. <laughs> like what what equipment you need. Do we need a certain rig? Yeah. Um, do we need a crane? Do we need an easy rig? Whatever. Um, so that we're going to be able to get it. So I, I, I like to give the space to the actors, get them to play it out themselves. Sometimes I might nudge them in a certain direction, making them yeah. feel like it's their idea. <laughs> and then... Um, Sneaky. <laughs> yeah, well, you just want them to believe, you know, like it, it's not to like trick them in any way, but just so that they feel like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely what's right. And then at the end of the day, if it's really not working for what I have in my head is going to be that story, I would be a little bit prescriptive prescriptive with blocking and say okay I think that we should actually get you to stand on this line because it's going to be important for something else but generally yeah I'll always try and let the actors follow their instincts yeah no I like that I like that like because yeah like there's there's very many ways you can do it um and (laughs) not all of them land no Um, (laughs) oh directing is like there is such a breadth of ways to direct yeah and I think my thing is I just really want everyone to feel comfortable and trusted and um like we're really appreciative of them being there whether that's the runner or whether it's the lead actor and I think when people feel that way they're much more um generous with their spirit into that piece and they're not just like oh I gotta get through this shot say the words and go home like they're like okay yeah how I, I love that story you're trying to tell. I had this thought about it and that's when, like, you start to make magic. Yeah. I think it's also, like, um, you know, uh, the, I think I think actors' worst hate, depending on the actor, is, like, sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never fun, but, I mean, like, you know, it's always the hard thing when you're an ensemble piece as well. Yeah. Like, you're in this big scene with other people and mm. kind of you all have, like, about four lines each. Yeah. So you're kind of waiting yeah. for someone to say their line and then have your close-up. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just kind of there yeah and existing mm-hmm. <laughs> like so i always find that challenging because i mean like you know let's be honest every actor wants to be the center of attention because you know as actors that's what you want to do you're yeah. a performer yeah um well you want yeah you want to tell a story that's interesting at yeah least. And, and then through your character, through your character exactly. yeah so if your character's not on screen you have generally like you're like, oh, I'm supportive of everyone else, but my interest really relies on me performing my character so it helps the story yeah. grow and, you know, like you want to be part of a whole. So I always find the challenge with ensemble pieces, particularly more so than with just like characters who are only two or three in a scene, which are easier to kind of like run because mm-hmm. they're – but when you've got five or six characters in a scene or even more, it's yeah. generally quite hard to get everyone to really like – make sure they're all timed right. Yeah. And I feel like that's the biggest challenge to keep everyone happy. Yeah. Because you've got to keep that energy going and you've got to be fast. Yes. Yeah. And it it is like it's about what is going to benefit actors sometimes as well because they will do better performances when they're happy and like (laughs) feel valued as well. And Mm. so I think if like you are keeping them waiting, it's just about I'm really sorry this other thing came up but this is why that's going to be really great. Yeah. Um, And just feeling like you haven't just forgotten about them. But I do – I actually think in casting I I make an intentional decision to work with actors who I – if 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 I'm working on something that doesn't have a huge budget where we're not yeah. going to have a trailer for them, um, I make an intentional choice to to find actors who are really um, team players and enthusiastic yeah. in spirit. Um, but then also, yeah, making sure that they do they do know what's going on on set and they do feel valued. Yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent, and I and I think enthusiasm really helps. Like yeah. 
Um, some of the best actors I've worked with um, are like enthusiastic yeah. and they build off your own enthusiasm for the project because yeah. I think that's really important as a director is you show your own enthusiasm. Yes. People move after. And also at the end of the day, if someone like, you know, I have this lesson a lot, but if someone isn't enthusiastic about what you do, then they probably shouldn't be there. Exactly. Like yeah. it's the wrong kind of it vibe. It brings everything down when someone's, when, yeah, when someone is not vibing with everything and making some comments behind the backs of everyone like it's not it's not a good vibe and i think yeah you're just you can have a mature conversation about that sometimes and like are you unhappy about anything let's talk about it yeah it's not helping everyone else yeah 100 percent. and i feel i feel like that's just kind of like a a learning that we're not really taught about when we're younger as well i think that's something that you learn yeah as time goes on yeah and um yeah, it's very interesting because I remember that was not taught when, yeah. <laughs> like, at all in school. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just taught to deal with it and, 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 like, you don't understand how to deal with difficult crew or, but you know, yeah. like, but I remember, like, that one key lesson I was taught, which was, um, if you're on time, you're late. If mm. you're early, you're on time. Yeah, that's right. I I love that rule. Yeah. Still follow it to a T. Yes. Um, yeah, I was talking to a filmmaker friend today, actually, about how, we're always late for social gatherings, but anything that's work, we are so early. <laughs> like, yeah. you just have that mindset of, okay, the shoot starts at 8, I'm going to get up at like 5.30 just to make sure I've packed everything, I'm fully ready, and I'm sitting in my car for 20 minutes out the front. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 100%. If I say like to anyone 8.45 or 9 o'clock in the morning, I yeah. need to get there at 8.30. Yeah. Like, not not, yeah. not later than that. Yeah. No, film crews are amazing at that. Like, yeah. as a first AD, like, you're like down to the minute on what you can achieve and like they're so generous a lot of film crew members where they rock up so early and they'll just start working because mm. they they do want to get through it all and they're there anyway yeah and, and then they, they save us a lot of time and money yeah and because <laughs> the more stress i mean like you know there's sometimes you just get also the best kind of people to work with and you know like just people like location um venues and stuff like that yeah. i know one friend um recently did um his first short film and he got the entire venue for free, wow. which was like incredible. It was, right. um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was in this club in Oxford Street. Yeah, they shut it down. Um, he was allowed from it from like nine a.m. to um, like four p.m. when they actually officially opened, and yeah. we just he'd come in, clean, help clean it, wow. and then like we'd start making it, and yeah. it was just kind of insane because he'd got all this location. Um, and yeah, just the challenge of doing yeah. something with such a big kind of actual relocation in yeah. it. It's literally those like generous things from people that yeah. like, I hope that they know how much of a difference they make. In yeah. The end. Like it is like people, I think really do want to help you if they can. And like, I, I, one example is, um, a film I produced back in 2016. We run, we went through the production, we went over budget and it was going to be the director paying for everything on in excess. And the, one of the lead actors at the end of it, we sent him through, okay, these were your hours. This is how much we're going to pay you. And he said, you know what, keep it all and um, consider it my donation to the film. And it was just incredible because it put us back onto budget and the, director wasn't going to have to go and try and take out a loan and like it was like we hope that he knows like how grateful we were for something like that that was like you have made our lives you made this film possible that was so hard that we put so much time into and like you're the best and it's all those things like a location that you know gives it to you for free or comes in and cleans or anything like that anyone 
we did a shoot recently and a company gave us all these heaters for free and we could keep all the actors yeah. warm outside. Like they make such a difference, these things. It's uh, like the last location I shot in um, was an amazing studio, um, which is normally used for photography, mm. a place called Dale Studios in, um, in Chippendale. Yeah. And the owners literally didn't charge us for the equipment oh, and they weren't going to charge us overtime for yeah. any of like the excess hours because they were like you guys are really nice yeah and i was like are you serious like you don't mind and they're like no we don't care yeah because you guys are clearly just trying to make something and that's yeah. fun yeah like, it's incredible and i like i really don't want to ever take advantage of people and sometimes no. it can feel like you're doing that on a film because you have so little money yeah but those those offers that people make when they're happy to do it to help you out like yeah nuts i think it's also it, it's really like it's age dependent because i feel like i've gotten as i've gotten older it's definitely more i'm like don't use people to your advantage Mm. but ask if they're okay with you know helping out where they can yeah um and you know especially when a project doesn't have a lot of money or sometimes has no money investment like some projects i've worked on have had uh, zero budget like they've tried to wing everything Mm. um the minimum i've ever spent on a production probably would have been a grand yeah um and the maximum i've spent is probably like 15 20 000 like out of my own pocket yeah (laughs) it's like you you kind of kind of balance it up but it, it it does like when it's out of your own pocket or you get a grant or a funding or whatever, you do kind of think in the, your head, okay, cool. Well, what's achievable? What's not achievable? Yeah. What's going to be everyone's rate? Yeah. Are people going to make sacrifices somewhere? Yeah. Are they going to be happy to work for a reduced rate? Like what yeah. are your what – weigh up your options because yeah. sometimes you get the best result with just magic of people being, you know, like the it's, best. Yeah, it's nuts. And you can't just get it all the time out of people, no. of course. And like – I think like, yeah, you can't, unless it's like a mate and you've done them a favor and they're doing you a favor, like you need to make sure someone's getting something out of your production. Like Mm. if they're going to work for a reduced rate, it should be because they're still trying to get experience at that level or they want to meet some people or like they should be getting something out of it. Um, Mm. And you need to figure out whether that's money or something else. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like, it's a tricky balance because it is a shame when things go into production and they don't have enough of a budget to do it yeah. properly and everyone feels a bit overworked and underpaid. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just about being really straight up with people and saying, okay, I know it doesn't have this. Would you still be interested if not totally understand? Yeah, and I and I definitely think that, uh, you know, that's, a, that's down to the individual and everything as well because, yeah. you know, I've worked on those. I've done those as well. Um, I still do some projects that are bumpkiss money. And, yeah. Um, like it, it does you do kind of work out when you're you know burning the candle yeah um at both ends of yeah. someone else or mm. you're overworking people or you're you know like and it's a challenge it's it's a yeah. challenge because i think as creatives we get enthusiastic yeah and then we've got to kind of reel ourselves back and go hang on yeah how much am i asking mm. of literally everyone <laughs> yeah no to, it's true to do it's true because, yeah, the like if you're a director, for example, you're the one whose name everyone's going to go, oh, it was their film. And mm. I actually don't like that thing, like a film by this person yeah. or, or like when a director gets all the glory because it's made by an army of people who work so hard. Yeah. And, yeah, but it's like that. it is that thing on a set when everyone wants to go home and <laughs> it's raining and um, you're already over time and everyone's 
done it for not very much, so they're not really going to get proper overtime rates or anything. And yeah. like, the director's like, "No, stay here and <laughs> get my vision." Like, oh, yeah. I've 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 even been on those, um, you know, as a director on like one of my early kind of attempts at making something. Yeah, and I remember like, oh, it went to the overtime, and mm. even I was at the end of my tether, <laughs> just going, "No, we're gonna wrap because yeah. I don't care." I'll, it had gone overtime. Mostly for the fact that it was just like pure lack of understanding back then of yeah. experience. Yeah. And nowadays I was like, oh my God, I should have just like <laughs> scrapped that one because it was like, yeah. but that's hindsight for you. Like yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. We learn all the time. You learn so much. Yeah. And I think like, um, you know, product making anything, as you said earlier, is hard. So you're never going to be like a hundred percent and you do kind of find your people over the years. You do, you do find yeah. who works well with um, and who you don't work well with. hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. And those like that synergy that can come from a really great team that know each other really well and work together really well yeah. is like, that's worth miles, you know? Yeah. I think, I think one of the best compliments I ever got from one of my um, an amazing friend and composer um it was uh luna pan um and she said to me she was like you just let me do things like <laughs> you just let me create um because she has worked for like a whole bunch of di- um different things doing music and she said the problem is when she's in big productions they're very specific about what they want mm. but when you're in smaller independent productions they're very much like here's the vibe mm. go for go wild yeah yeah, and, and that is actually, as we were talking about before, like what is someone getting from a project? Yeah. Sometimes it can be that because yeah. I work with people all the time who are like really experienced but they're happy to come and work on something for not very much because it's a creative opportunity and actually then you have to honour that as well. Yeah. If you can't get a, something like a composer who's very generously giving their time and they're a very um, experienced composer, you have to – let them do what they came on for, get their creative expression across and find yeah. find something that you're both happy with. Yeah, and and not and I think whether, you know, they you know, just be patient with people as well. Mm-hmm. Like um time is precious to everyone. Yeah. And um yeah, that's one of the things that I say if you've if you've got and and I think it's also be nice to everyone. Like clear communication. It goes down to any relationship really. Yeah. Clear communication everyone knowing what they want out of a project, what they're excited for about that yeah. project. Because um, I've, yeah, from script to screen to post-production yeah. to, versus anything you do, yeah. it's hard. It's and, yeah. and it's going to change from the moment it's on that paper to the end result. Yeah. It's going to shape into something else. Yeah. And you hope that everyone involved likes the final image mm. and likes what the product has become. Yeah. It's not going to please everyone, no. but, um, you know, that's the Achilles heel that we face as creators. Um, like, does that stress you out all the time? Um, yeah, because, <laughs> like, you do work with a number of creatives to make anything happen, and so if it's, like, a production designer or a cinematographer that isn't getting what you, <laughs> they wanted and you're trying to figure out where that, you know, that disconnect is, like, yeah. it's... It, it is like you do want everyone to be happy, but there can really only be one vision at the end of the day. Um, but it's like it's those are kind of the disappointing ones where it's yeah. like a, a battle. I think like cre- creatives who challenge you is fantastic because then like it becomes this better thing. But you do sometimes get into these dynamics where you're just butting heads and you're not going to agree on anything. Yeah, And then you sort of have to like either – maybe go your separate ways or like figure something out. But it's like, it's so much better when you're just 
sort of on the same page, but you are challenging each other, but the project is just becoming better and better for it. Yeah. I think like those relationships, you just need to make sure that everyone's putting the project first, not their own ego. That's like the (sighs) biggest shortcoming of projects when it's like it becomes about yourself. Yeah. You need to always put the story first, like, and not like what cool technical thing can I try? It's like, it's got to be story, story, story for me. I I 100% agree with that. Like, you know, and that comes down to the controversial of like... Probably also because, like, you know, sometimes amazing shots, like, you can have the best cinematography ever mm. and sh- certain shots are pinnacle. Yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes I feel like a performance really kind of shapes a lot of what the shots... Like, 100%. And yeah. that's, like, when I'm on a set, I whether I'm a director or AD or producer, it's, like, my... Th- thing is that I would rather spend less time on the setup of a shot or getting the lighting perfect and have more time to do more takes where you get the performances. And that's probably just because of my performance background and because I am a character-led piece performance director. I, yeah. But I, I, I think that that is the most important, yeah, having the time for the performances. And, like, the funny thing is we live in this world where people watch um, TikTok videos and all these, like, really, like, low-quality videos that – and have jump cuts and have like a shot on a 720p phone with with like a blurry lens and yeah. no one cares. Um, I find that a bit disappointing that like people are more likely to watch that than like this film we slaved over. But okay, <laughs> it is something to remember. Like uh, yeah. it, it's that people are interested in a story and they're interested in a character that they find interesting, whether that's on TikTok or in a film, more than they are in all the technical stuff. 100%. And I feel like, you know, people just don't know what to do with that like a lot of the time they're like what is you know how do I deal with this kind of level of um you know storytelling and I feel like it's a it's a generational thing as well as like particularly if you're a film lover like you have to be a film lover to really appreciate half this stuff yeah yeah that's like I think I think like you know when when we create stuff and when we sort of like you know, put stuff together and then someone consumes it in like, you know, Netflix or mm. or Stan and they, they go, oh, yeah, that was great. Or they watched it on YouTube and they're like, yeah, that was cool. And you're like, I spent ages yeah. working on yeah, that. Yeah. Like th- I saw a meme recently where it was like the most hurtful thing to a filmmaker is when you're showing someone your work and they're like, oh, yeah, just start it. I'm just going to grab something. I'll be back. And it's like, no. <laughs> like, oh, I know. I spent an hour on that opening shot. That <laughs> Like you just have to invest in this character right from the beginning. I, well, you know. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> I remember once watching all um, my friends, all my friends' short films uh, that she directed on um, her TV at her house, and it was like on her birthday. And I, I remember sitting there just going, "God, your editing's really good, and like <laughs> it's really on point." But I was all, like, it was one of those things that when you've got an audience, and I guess it gets in your own head a bit. Like, are you a confident director, knowing your or do you kind of just go after you've done something? Because I'm a bit of both. Yeah. I generally hate things as soon as I've <laughs> shot them. Like, I hate everything I've made. But I don't know. I think it's just because next time you want to do it even better. Yeah. And um, you always are learning. And nothing is ever as great as it was in your head <laughs> No, in the no. first place. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of hate showing people things or being judged on previous work because it's like, oh, I can do better, I know. Um, but you have to just let go at some point. I th- I think it's always my favorite thing is when I've s- uh, I I sometimes send people scenes that they're in like mm. you know a rough edit and mm. and my favorite is like oh what did everyone think and then just sometimes everyone's like oh that was great and then sometimes you get that was good and you're just like 
what did I do wrong? Yeah. Like, I so <laughs> just died inside. Yeah. Like, it's that level of, you know, a kind of based on personality or anything like that and who they are as a person and how they reflect on their own work as well. Yeah. And you, that's hard because yeah. I think, it, you know, you remember everyone as being individuals. And yeah. You've, I, I, I have this thing when you when you watch a film, you forget that the actor, actors are acting. Yeah, you become the characters, but yeah. because actors, when they watch themselves, can't mm. remove yeah. themselves from the performance, they go, "Oh, it was okay. My performance was off. I didn't love that. Yeah. The scene's okay." Yeah, like yeah. Whenever you send actors the film, <laughs> I get terrified doing that because I'm like, "What if they hate their performance?" But you know, you had to just make all the choices that were right yeah. for the film in the room. Maybe it was an even slightly worse performance, but it hinted at this other thing that was important. Um, yeah. But, yeah, actors aren't the people to get feedback from the overall piece about because they're just going to look at themselves. That's what I did as an actor. Yeah. Like, was I amazing? Was I not? <laughs> I, I think it's like one of my really close friends is an amazing writer and um, I, ever, I, I will send him stuff that I've done. Yeah. And he goes, that's good. That is less good, but he's very honest. He's okay. just like, you have great moments here. Let's scrap this half. He's constructive, and he never any, but he's encouraging. Mm. That's the difference. Whereas if you like, I feel like if you yeah. sent people who just like, but when it comes to his own work, he's the same. He's like, oh, it's terrible. I'm yeah. Like, How? Yeah, you have to find your people as well to get feedback from because yeah. like getting feedback is really hard because it's often very conflicting. It's yeah. like oh, have you thought of this entirely different thing? And you have to hold strong to, like, why you originally wanted to make it. And yeah. you have to find the right people who are going to get what you were going for. Yeah. And um, that will give you, hopefully, useful feedback. I <laughs> I think it's also, like, um, you know, it's, it's how I judge my own photography, <laughs> which, mm. which is why, like, I had this thing. Uh, I remember a couple of years back I was asked by one of my friends if I wanted to sell my photography in a, in mm. a store. Yeah. I was like, the sheer dread <laughs> and anxiety that I felt. I was like, oh, God, is everyone going to hate this and not buy it? Yeah. And like, and I just couldn't. I couldn't even comprehend ever doing that in an yeah. actual store and having randoms pick up my work and go, "Oh yeah, that could be nice on my wall." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Why?" Um, yeah. But it's one of those things that I, I I feel like whenever you take something yourself or you make something yourself, yeah, it's it's the complete removal. I I, le- I tend to like things years later mm. and hate on it less yeah. when I've had time away from yeah, it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you're not caught up in like, oh, it could have been so much better if we didn't have that one issue that happened. You've yeah. kind of forgotten about it and just see the piece for what it was. And sometimes, and sometimes, like, look, and I say this, um, you know, is sometimes, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, like, if you keep refining, like, the scene to the point of it, like, not even feeling right anymore, you've mm-hmm. probably overworked something or you've overdone it. Yeah. Like, I've seen some edits where, like, it feels too quick and I've gone back to an earlier draft that I'm like, oh, yeah, I did that one in, like, a day. That one's yeah. fine. I'll work on that one instead. Yeah. yeah, you need fresh eyes often in that process. And that's, yeah. like, being in the edit is really hard. I'm editing something at the moment that I directed. I'm working with an editor to edit something I'm I'm not the one editing thank goodness Um, but yeah it's like your brain would melt at that point (laughs) yeah it's too you'd be too close but um (laughs) yeah I think it's like you do have to keep going back to okay if I didn't know anything about this would Mm. I get it like you have to keep trying to think as a first-time viewer and I think you save your people as well like okay let's wait to get into a rough cut that I've had feedback on to give to the producer and wait for that and yeah. there is something about sitting in a rough cut screening where when 
people are watching it for the first time, you actually have more perspective as well because you're yeah. like, oh, what are they going to think of that not knowing everything else? And it's like, that's refreshing as well. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, th- I, th- I remember when I was, you know, like little and I used to ask my mom because they gave me a VH, like a little video camera. Mm. So I had like your little cassette tapes that you could put in and record. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was back in the day where you had to plug your camera in, play it in real time to digitize it yeah. into the computer. Yeah. <laughs> it was great technology back then in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And I, me- I remember my mom was in one of them and my mom and dad can't act to say their <laughs> yeah. life. But I just remember being so proud yeah. of like my childhood dream. Yeah. And then, we watch it every so often. We've got the old one and it's just these bad effects and everything in it. <laughs> my dad's in one of them and it's, yeah, it's just my brother who was 16 at the times in it. And it, it just, I, I'm t- like 10 or 11 and I just, yeah. It's oh, been, I love that. That's so great. It's so bad. But it's, to have it's, to look back on. <laughs> but it's so funny because I look back at it and I go, God, like the, there's just the madness of I made everything myself. Yeah. Because that's what I thought filmmaking was. I didn't think there was a crew because back yeah. then you didn't have, like, you didn't understand how filmmaking worked. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like everything I made was through myself. Like I'd tin foil on something and, you know, Amazing. just made it work. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you, um, you just kind of improvise. Yeah. I love that. Like it's it's almost more beautiful when you <laughs> stripped all the like complexities out of film. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think you'd ever do that again where you just kind of strip everything back and kind of do it with a spare skeleton crew to make something? Mm, interesting. I don't know. I I think that would be that would be really cool to do. And I think actually sometimes projects are better when yeah. they are like kind of talking about before that synergy of a, a small team that know yeah. each other well and adding to it yeah tempting <laughs> I think you know I'm sort of at a point in my career where everything's becoming a bigger team and a bigger team and yeah a bigger team. and so yeah it would be really interesting to go back actually I AD'd this film many years ago that we made with a really small team like five people down mm. south and um it was such a nice crew and I think like that film became way better just because um everyone was like giving it their everything and there was you know the actors were having a really good time, which I think is important as well because they were excited to show up each day and and give it their all for 10 hours because that is the thing that people forget about actors of like you, all the crew are going and doing this shoot and it is very tiring for 10 hours of lifting stuff in a day. But I think the actors have like the hardest of like they have to express emotions like on cue um, for 10 hours in a day and like it is exhausting and so when they're having a good time I think it makes a big difference absolutely and I feel like when you're enjoying and laughing and and being you know like silly and able to have fun with it yeah um but also if it's a highly emotional impacting scene you're also able to kind of you know and you know it's the thing of like you know projects falling through or they're not happening Mm. no no more due to any sort of difficulty that's the worst thing to tell the people yeah it's like well that's not happening anymore because people get heartbroken over the ideas that sometimes never Mm. get made Mm -hmm. um it's and i think this industry like i want to ask you more about this but i think this industry in particular is it's very easy to burn bridges by accident or yeah on purpose like um (laughs) you know it depends kind of person you are Um, yeah (laughs) i I hate you all i never want to work with any of you again (laughs) Yeah, because we were talking about off mic, but yeah, this industry is particularly very sensitive in in a lot of ways. Like how have you circumnavigated that as well? Yeah, I find it's fully word of mouth. Like I get all my gigs from recommendations from other people. Um, And I think, 
yeah, that's so important, like keeping those relationships good. And it's like what is more important, like getting that shot that you have to annoy everyone for to get um, or like having a team that you can go yeah. forward onto the next project with. Um, yeah, it's 100% word of mouth. And I think like every now and then I've annoyed people that I found out about later that I didn't know I did or I don't know how I did. And I guess sometimes you just aren't compatible with people as well yeah. and it's not really anyone's fault. It's just you don't work well together. Oh, 100%. And that you just probably won't work with them again and that's okay yeah. because it, it's not the best relationship um, and or working style. It's not cohesive. So yeah. you find other people that you do work well with. Oh, 100%. And I don't think everyone works well or best no. together. No, you could like gather all the best, the people you think are all the best people in the world and they probably uh-huh. won't make as good of a film as like a particular team that all really feel strongly about a project. Yeah, and... Uh- <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's one of those things. And I think it's also, it's such a, like, if you're co-writing or you're writing anything and you, you know, like, um, that's a challenge as well of whose yeah. name gets, you know, highlighted. Yeah. You know, is it a, is it actually a co-writer? Or is it someone yeah. that wrote? Like, my mm-hmm. favorite is, um, you know, getting sometimes pitching ideas to people. Yeah. And then suddenly they'll write something and yeah. they think, and then you kind of don't know where to put your name. That sounds also. familiar. Yes. <laughs> I thought I told you that idea at a pub once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, I think that I don't care that much about like um, credits oh, as God, much no. as a lot of people. Um, but I, yeah, I'm sort of more interested in the work itself and being like 100%. proud of it. And it does get really funny. Like there's certain projects where you'll be in those negotiations about credits or like contracts or money for so long that they never actually happen. Whereas like if you just get in and make something, I mean, of course it's important, especially when it might have the potential to make a profit, which most yeah. of the stuff I do doesn't. But um, <laughs> when it does, it, I, it is important, but I'm really uninterested in it. Like I just yeah. am so much more interested in the creative side. A hundred percent. And I think it's like everything I've, I've written, I tend to like if I redraft and stuff and things that have gotten delayed due to COVID or anything like that, it's just, you know, just life. Yeah. Um, but anything that I have, like original projects that I've done, um and like i've never unless i'm writing it i generally don't put my uh, name in it i don't even yeah. like putting my name as a directing credit particularly i'm like yeah. it's kind <laughs> of a concept by someone else so right. or a story by someone else like i i spend two years and the draft is in my drawer upstairs um writing a f- um co-writing a film but because we didn't really have much actual co-writing other than just me suggesting plot elements and yeah. writing a few lines of dialogue changes. Yeah. I And I said to my friend Felicity Keep, I said, my name's not on this. This mm. is your work. Mm. So at the end of the day, it's her idea. It's her story. Yeah. And as long as she's happy with it and it's workable, then yeah. that's perfect. Like, I want to talk more about you growing up mm-hmm. and, and you know, like, what for me, what was your childhood or what did that look like for you growing up and getting into this world? Yeah, um, I – it's an interesting one. A lot of people often ask my brother and I if, like, our parents were in film or actors because we both started acting and we both then went into filmmaking and it's not – my parents didn't do that. We just – my brother was a good – graphic artist and then he went to the McDonald College which is a high school of performing arts and they had sort of told him that he could focus in on graphic art but he then um, had to do either drama, ballet, musical theatre, music 
mm. or like dance. Um, and he couldn't really do anything. <laughs> like he didn't really have particular skills. But the great thing about acting is anyone can act really. Um, not everyone can act well, but you can always give it a shot. <laughs> but he started acting there and then when he's two years older, when I went to school, I went to the same school and started doing acting there as well. And it really just ignited our our love of it and mm. our kind of careers as well because we both got agents around that time. I got one. We I was 10 and he was 12 when we both signed with an agent and then we just started working and had a lot of great opportunities. Um, I did a few plays with Sydney Theatre Company when I was young. So I did a play called War of the Roses and was in that with Kate Blanchett and um, Pamela Rabe and so mm. many other incredible actors. And that I was 14 then and I think that just like really started this for me like, oh, wow, could I actually be an actor? Could I actually do this <laughs> as a career? Because I loved it. And then yeah. I did another play um, when I was 16 called Blood Wedding and that was a much bigger role. I played the moon um, and did lots of crazy things like swing on a <laughs> swing on a swing um, with blood in my mouth and spat it out at the audience and like had this huge costume on and um, yeah, it was like <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, I think and then also um, yeah, started acting in screen as well. So a few feature yeah. films and voiceover work as well and. Um, uh, like Pack to the Rafters, a few other TV shows like that. And, yeah, I I just loved I loved acting um, and I loved getting to, like, pick up a script with a new character yeah. that you were going to know everything about soon and getting that opportunity to be someone else. And, um, like, I think I just love stories. Like, I've always loved telling stories to family members. I used to, like, tell my parents bedtime stories even though Aww. they were, like, the adult. I would, like, my mom would be going to sleep. I'd be like, can I just make up a story for you? And I'd, like, tell a story. So I think, like, that was what it was that, like, when I started acting and I got to really invest in this one person that was so different to me or, like, had this special skill. Like, I found that so much fun. Um, and, yeah, so I think, like, all through high school, I juggled acting alongside trying to still do okay academically <laughs> and um yeah it was like a great process and I think though the the most like sometimes I wonder like should I <laughs> it would be nice sometimes I think to have like a real person job nine <laughs> to five and like have <laughs> know what's gonna happen in my life have an mm. arc be like hey then I'll get promoted to this then I'll get promoted to this and you have to like throw that away when you work in the arts because who knows what will happen but I actually I find that really exciting like I love that like I love not knowing what's gonna happen next year like some huge project I could have never dreamed of might come up and then I'll be spending half my year on that and I never would have thought I would yeah and also like the relationships you build with people because artists are such interesting people and you have so much to learn from them <laughs> like <laughs> it's like yeah the weirdest people in the world are actors and I love that like you get to like yeah spend time with people who think about the world in such a different way to most yeah. people Rather than the media, the, the corporation and <laughs> yeah. mediocre people. Yeah. Well, I guess just society puts you into these squares and it's like, yeah. have you got a good job? Have you got a relationship? And it's like actors and artists don't really care about that stuff. No, no, no. I think my favorite conversation is like how, you know, um, 
when are you going to buy a house? What yeah, you, you know, like, exactly. Uh, like, uh, are you financially secure? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you always have relatives that worry about you. They're yeah. Like, oh, so you're still doing that acting play thing. Cool. Uh, yeah. Mm. It's nice you do your hobby more yeah. of the time than others. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, and, and I, you know, think that that's kind of a very uh, interesting thing because, you know, like, Parents, parents who haven't been in that industry don't necessarily know what to expect yeah. from when their kids enter that industry, and yeah. especially like, um, you know, when both their children suddenly <laughs> just jump straight into it and do well. Yeah. Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, our parents were like amazing because, um, yeah, they just loved it. They're so supportive. <laughs> we're very lucky in that regard. Um, yeah, my mom like immediately was like, oh, yes, I'm going to be an on-set mom. I'm going to like show up. But she wasn't a stage mom. She just loved being around it. And if they ever needed an extra, she'd be like, oh, do it. And, like, she loved being, yeah, part of that world. And my dad is, like, super, super supportive and will, like, do anything to to. He always was like, don't have a plan B. Just, like, only have creative stuff. Like, just put that forward because, yeah, you can live in our house, you can do it, <laughs> we'll support you so that you can put that for first because otherwise it won't happen. That's so nice. No, it is. So do you still I'm live so it? lucky. Do you still no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've not lived at home for about five years, but I did milk it for a little while. <laughs> I think I moved out around 22, but, um, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did milk it <laughs> as much as I could until I started to get an income, I guess. Yeah, um, and then you're just like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, but it's like those things with your parents where you can't do anything wrong. Like you'd be in a play and they'd be like, you were the best person in it. And it's like, stop saying that. Like you're just, you're always going to say that. You're so biased. <laughs> but it's lovely. Like I certainly cannot complain for having very supportive, lovely parents. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. That's so wholesome. I know. It's, it, it is. <laughs> Very lucky. So, so it's just you and your brother. Yep, yep. We're just just the two of us, um, and we like. I think I've just copied his life. <laughs> he was an actor, and I was like, I'll be an actor. And then he was a filmmaker, and I was like, I'll be a filmmaker. And now, years later, <laughs> yeah, I'm just still copying him. But no, it's it's nice to have someone who really gets you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like we know each other's journeys really well because we've also sort of experienced similar ones. Um, but he. He's, his name's James Fraser. He like he directs and edits and is now starting to focus more on writing, which I think I'm not that interested in writing more and directing and producing. So it's, mm. it's nice. We're finally starting to diverge just a little bit. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, what's the age difference between the two of you? We're pretty close in age. We're 21 months apart. God, um, that is... Yeah, we're, cl- we're close. Your parents got busy. Bit, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, one done, another one in. Um, but, yeah, we actually, we fight like crazy. <laughs> and, like, we're really competitive people. So, like, we it'll be like, oh, what's the best way to get to where we're going? And then we'll argue about, like, no, it's definitely this way. No, it's definitely this way. Mm. Or we'll play, like, a board game and just have huge arguments. My partner finds it really funny because <laughs> I'll be like, no, James cheated. He wasn't on the fast track in Cranium. He was on the slow track. And he's like, absolutely, I was not. And then we're just like buttheads for ages while everyone hates it. <laughs> so I, I'm i hopefully starting to become a little bit more of an adult with that where I just go, you know what? This doesn't matter. <laughs> who cares even who wins this game? Let's just yeah. all shut up. <laughs> yes. Like it's, it's nice actually to have like a figure in your life will tell you like, the most honest truth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, you need that. You yeah. need like 
you need someone who's just very upfront with you. Yeah. Especially if it's your sibling. You're yeah. kind of like perfect. Yeah. Because uh, you sort of, I mean, it's not always the case, but it, most of the time with siblings you're you're stuck with each other and you're not going to just like never talk to each other again. So you at least have that confidence that you yeah. can like say something or suggest something and they're not going to like leave you forever and never want to talk to you again because no, they have I, to. <laughs> I, th- I think it's like, um, you know, my, my brother's, uh, like, he used to give me dating advice and I yeah. just, I did not take it. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that might be overstepping the yeah. mark on something that yeah. they uh, don't know you about. <laughs> no, I just think, it, I think it was just his eagerness <laughs> to, yeah. to get me, um, get me out there when I didn't particularly want to, but yeah, you know, okay. that's, that's kind of probably advice for that I got. Yeah. Um, okay. But it was like, you know, like, I all my family are academics, so mm. I and I'm the creative one, so mm. like very shift in yeah. avenues, and they all knew that. Um, yeah, but yeah, like um, my have dad, they been supportive? <laughs> my dad is very supportive. My yeah. my dad more so because um, my dad was a photographer for many years, oh, so cool. he's like he actually has a creative background. Mm. Um, but he also was a teacher and a journalist. Yeah, so it was kind of like. And a bit more of a structure to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's super cre- um like creative and, and supportive of it. And he yeah. just kinda goes, Yeah, do what you want. Like he's never been worried. Yeah. But, that's <laughs> nice. The worry comes more from my brother and my mum. Yeah. So it's like the stress of like um uh you know, financial gain and and, and what you're gonna be doing and stuff like that is yeah. is just that's where the worry comes from. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, because they want what's best for you. Yeah. You know, like everyone that's always hopefully people's intention. It's just sometimes not as welcome. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. Your dad was a photographer and is very supportive. I think my dad's a bit the same because he always wanted to be a writer and he's yeah. actually like does write a book whenever he's not doing his like yeah. nine to five corporate job. And I think he's like, I wish I could have only focused on that thing that I loved and yeah. he wants that for us. And so maybe your dad's the same. <laughs> I think I think absolutely I think the same. And I think it's kind of like one of those things that um I've 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 loved the jobs that I've had over mm. the years. Like mm. the over the eight, nine years that I've been in the industry, um actually longer. I should say like eleven years. But yeah. um but all up I've loved all of them. But they're like what I do in my spare time and you know outside of those actual like corporation hours i love more yeah but it's like you know and and i say this i remember like this was ages ago and Mm. i remember like when i started this podcast it was because of covid it Mm. started being out of like a a love and a passion for the industry and i remember someone said do you make money from and i said no yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you can't you like it's not profitable and stuff like that but you can you know like i i know product um podcasts that you you know they sell products on them and yeah that's how they make revenue yeah I had no desire to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is going to be purely fun out of pocket, you know, like, and and that's kind of how I've always lived the industry life. I'm about to go in the freelance world next year and that's very terrifying, <laughs> yeah, but okay. also very thrilling. Yeah. It's a funny one because I think because I grew up as an actor and, you know, that was actually probably even more uncertain than yeah. filmmaking. I'm pretty comfortable with like not knowing what's next and having faith that something will come yeah. up because <laughs> it always does. It's got some great perks. You can take holidays whenever you want. Just block oh God, out time yeah. in your schedule. You don't need to worry about how much annual leave you have saved up. You can take pros like, and cons. Three months off and yeah. no one glad and I like yeah. It's like, oh, what do you mean you're not available? I'm on holiday. I'm yeah. in somewhere else in the yeah. world. And they're like, oh no. Yeah, but yeah, they they've got no choice. <laughs> you can, you yeah. make your own schedule. You work for yourself in theory. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's much it, harder at tax time, but no, that's okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, like that's when you have a good tax agent. It, like it yeah. really does help because yeah. I it, like. Although I find it funny that people have tax agents when like at, like who are full time workers and mm. have a contract base. Yeah, and then, and I'm like. You know, taxes like the ATO isn't that hard. Yeah, it's like, like you have one job, you maybe have some like working from home expenses. Isn't yeah, that like it? it's Sounds really not that. You. Yeah, you just put all that details yeah. into it, and then the government yeah. calculator does the rest, and yeah. you're done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually do my own taxes, but I think I might not need to start getting an agent because it takes too long. <laughs> oh, they, and look, there is so much. I'm just particular. I'm like, oh, I have to not forget about this one expense. I, it's funny as well because I always know about agents. Um, they, they do love to just add taxes yeah. like oh have you got this 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 yeah like i remember one thing um you could you know because of television because mm. i work in tv you can claim things like random things like movie tickets if you really wanted yeah. to i'm like why <laughs> yeah like i never would but sure like yeah. i can guess i can claim this like three dollars 60 gst that yeah. i got i had to use like yeah. you know for yeah. the t- you know the roads yeah. um so yeah there's all these absurdities that totally. you know people kind of it's try jungle. And, um but you know like I get. I guess also the thing is like you know the cost of living in Sydney is much higher than it used to be when yeah. we were kids. Yeah. Um, which feels like eons ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's but, nuts. It's it's like, funny. It just keeps going up. I know. It's we're both nineties babies, yeah. and uh, you know, when you're born in the nineties, it sort of feels like suddenly that uh, I just turned thirty this year, mm-hmm. and that to me is still like a comprehension that I can't quite comprehend. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how? Yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> did I still, that time go? Yeah, I know. I still feel like I'm 18, like 19 some days. And yeah. then some days I, I don't, you know, because I, the thing is, and I, I want to ask you this question. Do you think the older you've gotten, the more you've had your life under control? And, and or do you think that it's still as chaotic as when you were a kid? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I actually think I'm becoming more under control and like maybe it's boring, but I, I am like, I know what I need more as well. Yeah. Like, okay, I need a night off or I need like this. And maybe when I was a bit younger, I just go, go, go. Um, And I, yeah, I think I am. Maybe it's boring, but I think I am becoming more mature than like when I was 18. You know, I often think back though and go, oh, I wish I had that time back like when I was like 18 or 19 I would just spend ages like daydreaming or like writing poetry or like reading philosophy or people watching or just going to the park and sitting there and looking at the clouds and I think that's so important like when you're working on a creative project to have that time to just Mm. daydream and think and you come up with amazing ideas and it's just you get time to think things through and I don't have that anymore like I just have crammed everything into within an inch of its life and yeah, I think I wouldn't, I think if I, I'm really bad at saying no to things, um, but I think I need to start to just find that time for me. Again. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's really interesting that you say that as well. Cause I can't remember the last time I people watched and that feels yeah. like five, six years yeah. ago now. I mean, it's it's a bit obnoxious. Like, if you were to kind of say to anyone not in this industry, like, yeah, I like to just watch people and come up with like what might be going on in their lives. Like, it's lame, <laughs> but it's like it's important as an artist to yeah. like think about the world and think about your place in it and think about other people's place in it. Because life can just like feel like okay, I go to work, I go home, I watch Netflix, I make dinner, 
I go to work, I go to, yeah. like, and it, it's like, what is, is that the point to life? Like, if life's just that, I don't want to, like, be a part of it. That's boring. <laughs> I think you need to think more deeply about the world. Yeah, and I think I've, you know, I'm the same. I've always been that way. And I, I think it's, like, ironic because I never could work in a job that is literally nine to five. I've never worked yeah. in a nine to five job. Yeah. It is not my life. Yeah. It would never be my <laughs> life um, because... Like, I just, I used to come up with the weirdest ideas at one o'clock in the morning yeah. and just be like, oh, I'm going to write that down. I used to do that while going to sleep. Like, yeah. I would just like jot something down. Yeah. Um, and you kind of never stop. Yeah. Like, once you get into that flow and that groove, you're just kind of like, oh, yes, there's another idea and there's another idea. Yes. Um, yeah. And, yeah, people don't really, like, if, if you're normal people, and I put this in quotation marks, yeah. like, and you're not a creative, like, you can kind of see a lot of people just don't know entirely what you're talking about when you talk about how your brain works and goes, yeah. this is how I think, and this is, yeah. like, I think in emotions or I think in, like, do people think you're very much where your heart and your sleeve kind of person or are you very? <laughs> I think actually people think I'm really like not sensitive and like abrupt and say exactly what I think a lot of the time. That's what at least I, I disagree know with my this brother statement. thinks about me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe today I feel more open <laughs> I feel like I'm on a podcast. <laughs> you, you said at the beginning, exactly, and quote for quote, yeah. verbatim, I am an open book. So I, Yeah, I like I would actually rather be seen as that, but I think Sometimes, um, yeah, people think that I'm just a bit, like, not sensitive. I think I am pretty good with, like, difficult situations mm. in life and, like, I mean, I'm not – I have this thing where I'm really, like, terrified of getting bad news about something and it, like, haunts me all the time. And if I get a missed <laughs> call from a number, I don't know, I freak out. Oh, but no. once I know the news, I'm actually, like, maybe it's my first AD skills, but I think I'm a good problem solver and mm. I just am like, okay, what can we do next? There's no point, like, you know, just sitting on this, being upset, what can we do? <laughs> and so yeah. probably people see that side to me more and then, you know, the people closest to me get to see the side where I'm like feeling everything deeply. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God, that sucked. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all emotions. I mean, yeah. like, I think, are you an anxious person as well? Like, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a funny thing. I hate being an anxious person, but I also think it's quite necessary because, yeah. like, like if I'm sitting in an edit for something and I'm just like sitting on the front of my seat like, oh, I just need to see this from this person and I'm like feeling it. Sometimes the editor's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I just, it's my process, you know, <laughs> like I, I need to – I need to worry about everything. I need to care so much because it's like it creates better work and it creates what I care. Like it, it, yeah, it's like it's like my burden to bear, but I think it's like good for me as yeah. a, as a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, you did say it was kind of like your superpowers. Yeah, mode. yeah. I like it's painful as as heck to me. Like, <laughs> but it's like I think it. I think hopefully it's at least I've found a, an outlet for it in filmmaking. <laughs> I think, yeah. Hopefully. I mean, like, you you, you work hard, like, you're extremely busy. There's, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of a good sign that you're, yeah. you're good. Otherwise, it's the opposite. Yeah. But those, like, you know, if you have gone through an experience and you yeah. have felt a certain feeling and then 
um, people all the time have also like felt those emotions and can relate. But then as a filmmaker, you get that opportunity to put it onto a screen and yeah. have it there for people to go, oh my gosh, I feel heard. That's how I felt. And I think that that's a really special thing we can do as filmmakers. So <sighs> I think, yeah, despite all my anxiety and high strongness, most of the time, I, I think like it is a benefit as a filmmaker to yeah. have, have those strong emotions about the world. Now you now you talked about relationship stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you because of like obviously do you do you kind of like dictate those stories towards stuff that you've experienced or like Um yeah, sometimes. I think like I think I take elements of emotions. Like I'm not one to like make a story based on something that happened in my life. Um but I think like when I approach a story, I go, oh, that is exactly how I felt when this other thing happened in my life. That now is the core guiding true north of this story. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to show. Okay, yeah. how can I show that? What shots can I use? Like, How can I change this arc? How? What kind of cast member do I want to find who's going to show that kind of thing? So, yeah, I, I think so. And I think there's certain themes that I really resonate with and like ones that maybe like, yeah, mental health and anxiety, but also duty. I don't know. I think really? I've always like taken on this role in my life where I, maybe as I was saying before, like I try to like problem solve for people and make things better. And even in my family, like I was the peacekeeper. Like I was the one like, okay, guys, how do we solve this? And I think I always felt this sense of duty, even though if no one ever wanted it or expected it. <laughs> I, I'm really interested in stories where people feel that they they have to show a certain face to yeah. be okay or they have to do something that's like breaking their heart and like so hard for them to do day-to-day -day or look after someone but they are trying to show that like it's fine until like it's not, you know, and they break yeah. and it's it's saying that it's okay to not always be okay even if you are that person who tries to like fix everything. Yeah, which... <laughs> <laughs> Don't be the person who tries to fix everything. Yeah, I yeah, I just do it naturally. And so I love like I think most of the films I've directed have a female protagonist who's trying to like be okay but is not okay. <laughs> do you do you think that's come from your experience of being um a woman in I'm society? Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And I guess like I've always been conscious of making sure I'm coming across like I'm fine even when I'm not. And yeah. I think like those are those are just characters that I find really really interesting, yeah. and then it's about finding a story around that. You know, no one wants to just watch someone sitting at home. Like I need to do. Yeah, <laughs> you need a really compelling story, or no one's going to be interested in watching something. <laughs> but it it is those like core emotions. Um, yeah. that are my are my true north for telling a story. That's that's awesome. I was going to ask a, a bit about like, have you ever had any sort of controversy around like being a, a creator, especially like because this industry has become mm. more you know slowly become more women don dominated and, yeah. and a lot of like gender diversity going into it yeah we are from an era where it was sort of just coming into that and yeah. and probably just in the last like five years i'd say has changed dramatically yeah did you have a lot of controversy getting into this industry especially in the technical like yeah first id producing and everything like being a woman yeah it's interesting like there's not that many female first ids and it's like yeah. kind of because whenever a woman is bossy, they can like people can't take it, but a man can be bossy, and it's fine. It seems to be. Um, so I I have had many experiences where I've been working with maybe older 
crew members who were like, oh, who's this chick telling us what to do? <laughs> um, whereas I, I do have skills in that area. So I just have to remind, remind myself, oh, just back yourself. Um, but yeah, I, I am all for like more diversity as a general rule, because I think as filmmakers, we tell stories. And I think if you have more diverse people telling stories that are authentic to them mm. that's so important that we're just getting a breadth of stories not just the yeah. same pe people telling the same story again because i think as filmmakers you do have as i was saying like the stories that are important to me and there are stories that are going to be important to every director and if you are just getting the same five people who have had maybe a certain um upbringing like mm. over and over again that's all you're going to get and I think, yeah, it's so much better if you can have a breadth of stories that a breadth of people can relate to that's so much more authentic and interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I actually I started, I finished film school in 2015 and that was the same year that the Screen Australia Gender Matters initiative happened um, and I got funding for something that was a female-led project straight out of film school and it was it was a good time, of course, to like mm. go into that but... Yeah, I I don't like I don't see it. It can be controversial because people can be like, oh, it's just roles for women. It's just like giving them a leg up and pushing men down or other um, people from other backgrounds down. But it, I don't think that that's true mm. because I think it's like just getting us closer to even. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and like the there's sometimes you need those initiatives to do that work, and then you have people who have the experience yeah. necessary because. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gave them a leg up. And that's the same in so many different areas in casting and in crew where it's like when people from certain backgrounds get a bit more experience, then they're one of the pros as well. And you don't need to keep going back to the same old people again. Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Can you imagine if you kept going back to the same old people? It'd yeah. Get very boring. Well, they're like, yeah, everyone's going to die. So yeah. like, you need to train up new people. I know. And and like I, I just think there's also a lot of stories that haven't been told with different perspectives. And, yeah. you know, that's like something that we're going forward to. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like. It also just should be normalized. Yeah. It should be 100% normalized that everyone 100%. on set it is different. Yeah. And if they're good for the job, then they're good for the job. 100%. And it's like it's a benefit to the world to have people telling lots of different stories. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things that I, I definitely think that we're in an era now where more people are telling their own stories. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, people are able to speak their opinions now because people are comfortable coming out, whether, you know, you're yeah. part of the queer community or whether you're part of any community. It's yeah. like you're able to tell your, you know, stories now yeah. than you were even like five, ten years ago. Like yeah. um, the fact that, you know, stories were like even um, about, you know, immigrants or anything were just considered only to be on SBS yeah. and only late at night. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just shown at any point of the day. Like, yeah, 100%. It's, it's literally, it's nuts how much the industry has changed. Yeah. But, um, and I like stories where maybe that's not even the entire like plot point that yeah. someone's from a certain background or something like it's just part of it you know yeah and it's just that the character has that element but they're also a detective who's solving a case yeah and, like it doesn't have to just be that stories um from diverse filmmakers gotta have to like hit this certain demographic it's like no, like, why can't that just be a, a part of like a, a deeper story? Yeah, I I feel like I feel, I feel like it, you know sometimes the best like handling of that is just is through you know just understanding the people and understanding like I think one of the um, 
the best things that I watched recently, which I think um, uh, did um, the amazing Elliot Page was in. I watched Umbrella Academy season yeah. three. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah, Love it yeah. too, uh, so much. Yeah. But yeah, it was just such a subtle scene where they were like, cool. That's that's we've changed the character. Yeah, now. cool, done. That's fantastic. And you, know? you didn't we don't need to make a big deal. No, about it. and it was it moved on to its yeah. weird plots. Yeah, and I was like, perfect. This is all I need. And I think it it got to the point where it was just it was all about just connecting and and loving each other and stuff like that. And yeah. and I think um, you know shows like that that do sto- stories like that well. Yeah. yeah, and don't make a big deal out of things that yeah. happen. Yeah, means that society shouldn't make big deals out of it mm. as well and that's where i find like you know where we do make films that we try and make big you know political statements yeah. are good but th- they shouldn't be entirely like yes. every message of every person's like entire lies because yeah. they should be defined by other things yes yeah um 100 it's not like you can't just bring that into then the mission impossible movies or something you know yeah, like, oh no <laughs> it shouldn't just be like a niche category or diverse yeah. films it, like, yeah it, it should just it should just feel like life because that is what filmmaking is like yeah i mean like that that's what film festivals unfortunately are for though which is mm. a whole other topic and could be days <laughs> for why i i think those are interesting but yeah film festivals if you want to like that some of the best films that do eventually get into mainstream like cinema, yeah, um, you know, discovered in film festivals, and then suddenly they do really well in yeah. in mainstream as well. But yeah. everyone kind of doesn't give them the chance. And what's that? Um, there's that terminology in Hollywood, I think, which is the um, scripts which got chucked to the side, and then it's like <laughs> of really good scripts that they've loved, yeah, but they never produced, and then suddenly they just pick a one out of that pile and make yeah, it eventually, right? Yeah, um, and yeah, there's like a hundred and something ideas in this p- giant pile of scripts, yeah, um, and every so often they pick one out, and it's an you know, like they're like, oh, we need Oscar worthy material. Here's another script that we've got off this pile that yeah. has been written by a dead person like 50, 60 years ago. Yes, they do it all the time. Yeah, that's. Super- be interesting it's like what a shame they weren't alive to see it yeah like but i i don't like i don't like giving my money at the cinema to like marvel or like <laughs> and i don't have a huge issue with it but it's just like you, you realize formula like and <laughs> controversial yeah i just i'm not i don't like the sense of humor of marvel that's the part that kills me ironically but it's just like it's all spectacle it's all formula to me um and as i said before i'm not a real genre person anyway but i like to just i like to go out and support and give money to projects that have a really interesting voice and like telling a story that i've never thought of before or sharing a perspective from someone who maybe like 20 years ago wouldn't have been able to make that film but in this day and age they they can and and you know sometimes I'll seek out films that are so old now that yeah. like sometimes I I recently we watched Gaslight, yeah, um, and that's a great film, nineteen forty four, yeah. Um, and uh, like I own all of the Hitchcock, even though I think Hitchcock's an asshole of a director, his films are great, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, like I think the interesting thing, and and this is the reflection I have a bit about cancel culture and 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 mm. reflecting on films that have people like kevin spacey and have been produced yeah. by people like harvey weinstein and everything yeah that i don't hate necessarily the film i don't hate yeah. the films that they're a part of it does taint the mm. performance and it's a hard thing but i don't hate the product that was made yeah how are you on that do you struggle yeah. a little bit with i those find things? it really complicated yeah yeah it's I mean, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of cancel culture just because I don't know if it offers opportunity to learn and keep talking about it. Yeah. Um, It's really easy for people to just say straight off like, oh, no, like 
that's over, that's <laughs> the end. And then, um, yeah, you don't actually get that opportunity to say, okay, what went wrong? Like what was the system yeah. that allowed this to happen? Um, so, yeah, and then when, yeah, when they've been part of a piece of work and that's been cancelled, it's, yeah, I, I do find that complicated as well because it's almost like those films sometimes can act as a time b- bubble as well, like a space yeah. capsule because they did happen and I don't think they should necessarily, necessarily be entirely thrown away, but I think it's good to go, okay, I'm so glad we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, it's, it's and, you know, like films that aren't that old kind of like it still do it. Mm, um, absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's like you kind of instigate with everything you do and every, and I think this is the constant reminder I have uh, as a filmmaker Yeah, is something I do now might necessarily become controversial later. Yeah. W- without intending it to yeah. be because times change. It's true, yeah. And it's unfortunately whatever we do will be imprinted in something. Mm. Yeah, and you get judged based on that. Yeah. And, and, and it can be misconstrued as well because sometimes yeah. you weren't trying to say something but that's how people took it. Yeah. Because sometimes like, yeah, I know a lot of filmmakers who are like, like to kind of play with the contentious topic, but they're not giving an opinion. They're just like, this is super interesting. They're like, um, here's surface level. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I know people who follow around to make documentary work around like neo-Nazi groups and it's like they just find those people super interesting. But that's like it's controversial because it's like, are you giving a voice to people who yeah. uh, whose message is hate? Um, so, yeah, it's complicated, but... I think almost if you do it in the right way, deliver it in the right way and aren't giving those groups money based on this project, like it's better for the world to see what's happening rather than to just pretend that that doesn't exist. Yeah. I think like that's what was interesting in like the Trump election that like a lot of people didn't feel able to say they were going to like vote for Trump. So the election result came as a big surprise. Yeah. Because I think that, like cancel culture sometimes just pushes people's opinions out and makes people yeah. feel like they can't say what they think and then you get a surprise like that. Um, yeah. It's almost worse not to know what, you know, people are expressing. Yeah, and I feel like I, and I feel like it's kind of just, um, you know, it's it's potentially why I probably am terrible at not voicing my opinions on things. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, it, it does lead into trouble. It does, yeah. and and that's kind of the thing of when you're uh, passionate or you're a, a, like active um, about something that you believe in. Um, people might not always see eye to eye, or they misconstrued, or they yeah. change something, or yeah. you know, everything's word of mouth. Yeah, and it goes back to that, like how sellable are you? Yeah, everything is word of mouth. If you've yeah. upset the wrong person on an off day. Yeah. Like, that's so weird. It's such a weird kind of finite. Yeah. I think people, like, misconstrue a lot of, like, what people think into a certain opinion. Yeah. And um, I think when I was younger, I was actually very black and white about the world. Like, they're a terrible person. We should just not talk to them or listen to what their ideas are at all. Um, And I think as I've gotten older, I've seen the world in more of a grey way. And I think that that's – I think it's better to do that because even if someone has a different opinion, it's you're better off to actually get to understand what they think. Yeah. And yeah, like I've gotten into arguments with people like, oh, no, you, you're you saying that thing so immediately you're homophobic or like you're racist and then not. 
I mean, it's a contentious thing, but it's <laughs> like sometimes they just like will ask a question and they they don't know, and it's like it's not helpful just to be like, "Shut up, you're wrong." Like yeah. sometimes it's more helpful to actually talk to them and go, "Why is it that you think that way?" Yeah. And, um. Yeah. I've become I've become less black and white and much more gray as I get older because I just I'm more interested in seeing why people have the opinions that they have, even yeah. when I think they're really wrong. <laughs> I know. <and, and laughs> I mean, and that, and that's the thing. It's you know, you you learn by asking questions, and people learn by answering and asking more questions. It's yeah. the whole back and forth. Um, the world is full of various opinions, and none of them are not all of them necessarily right. Yeah. Um, but there is no dumb. Um, there is no dumb question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are only dumb answers. Yeah. And. I remember saying that to someone and they were like, oh, that's not true. You can ask dumb questions. And I was like, no, no question is dumb because if you don't know something, ask it. Yeah. And But people are afraid in this society to ask questions. Absolutely. There. And I think it's the, I think that's dumb. Yeah. I think that is the stupidest thing as you can be afraid yeah. to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find actually like that slightly different topic but like as a director people expect you to always know the answer to something and have a really strong opinion and I think like there is a movement of change where directors are more like I'm not sure actually let's think about that or like um oh what do you think you know like and I, I I like that change that's happening and I think it's just a whole societal thing of like yeah like I I was listening to a masterclass thing the other day um with Hans Zimmer and he's oh, talking yeah, yeah. about working with directors and he just kept saying when he does this, when yeah. the director, when he comes in and it was never like they or ever she or like anything else, it was always he. And um, I, I thought that that's quite interesting that like that was just the perception and I think there was this perception of like male directors who were auteurs like Alfred Hitchcock or something who'd come in and go it's this and it's this and put that there and do that and I don't I don't like to direct like that actually like I prefer to be like okay what do you think yep thank you I am gonna make a decision now because I have to but I do respect like listening to other people's points of view yeah and I'm not just going to be like, do it now. Like, it's going to be like, would you mind? <laughs> yeah, it's always like, how how will this benefit? How, uh, w- would you mind doing this? Or, yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, I, I, like, I like working with creatives in a way where um, they're on board with something. Like, yeah. as I said before with actors, like having them feel like it was their idea. It's not to like trick them in any way. It's just when everyone's on board and on the same page, it's like something magic happens. And I don't like to work with a Wayne with like cinematographers or something where I'm like, no, no, I just don't think that's right. We're going to do it this way. I'm like, okay, I'm really seeing it really differently. Why is it that you think we should do it that other way? Yeah. Because then you might learn something and you might still end up going with what you thought in the first place, but you've gotten like this whole different perspective on something. 100%. And that, and that's always a, a learning curve and yeah. a learning and, and I always try and, you know, like people challenging me because, you know, my vision in here. Yeah might not always be the correct one yeah <laughs> and that's that's the thing you chal- you get challenged and people shouldn't be afraid to challenge anything yeah. that they're asked because there's no yeah there's no wrong way of trying something exactly yeah and i i think like it actually is a movement of change that mm. people are um not they don't feel like they always have to be they don't always have to know all the answers. Like, it, and they don't have to lead with fear. They can lead with love. Like, it's, 
like so hippie, but like I do think it is a changing movement in film and it's a welcome one. I 100% agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm going to use that also as the perfect time to wrap us up. Great. (laughs) And with love. (laughs) And with love. It is the best thing. Yes. Can I just say, I've loved every second of this though. thank you. It's It's been amazing talking to you. It's been amazing talking to you. Now, Holly, where can people stalk you on the internet? Where can they find your... (laughs) I'm not a real social person. Like, You have the socials. Like, I don't really, like, I've always been like, oh no, that's like tacky. I can't do that. But um, I I don't know. I've got like IMDb, LinkedIn, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, but I don't post on Instagram enough. But yeah, I mean, find me, message me. I'm always happy to chat and talk about projects. And um, yeah, it's what I, it's what I love to do. And if it's a project that I love, um, I'm all in. <laughs> there you go. You've you've heard it. You've heard it first. Yeah. Well, then I'll be like, oh, I'm actually busy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. It took us like six months to lock this down. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I do overcrap my life these days. Yeah, yeah. It's not personal. It's just time. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's, it's sheer love. I mean, just how many we've been organized since like, November last year. Yeah. And I just feel like, man, we're both hectic. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And thank, thank you, you so much for joining. Thank you. Talk soon. Um, and if you want to go and listen to more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye.